Namaste. This is Manish Pol and you're listening to the 21st Century Yogi podcast. Our topic for the day is Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra is said to be as old as yoga itself and we have distinct mentions of it in the Upanishads. So much so that a beautiful allegory is given of uh, the Lord resting in Yoga Nidra as the yugas or as the time, the eons change. So between the destruction and recreation, between the eons, the Lord reposes in Yoga Nidra. This is allegorical. Uh, it's fabulous in its context and conception. But in the modern context, the person who birthed Yoga Nidra, who brought it back, revived it, and authored the way it is now done in terms of format, is Swami Satyananda Saraswati. Swami Satyananda was a student of the legendary Shivanand Saraswati and Swami Shivananda was in Rishikesh. He is perhaps the most well-known Swami from the Rishikesh traditions, at least in the last 200 years. Swami Satyananda Saraswati was a student of him. He had a lovely experience when he was a young uh, sadhaka or a young Swami. This is perhaps in the 1950s. He had joined his uh, teacher, I think, in 1943 and in 47 he was initiated. But perhaps just before then, around 1950, he was asked to go and uh, watch over or rather rest and sleep and take care of a school whilst the main Guruji of the school, now this was a school where small boys were coming in to learn the the Vedas, the Sanskrit chants and so on and so forth. They were trained in an uh, old sort of Vedic learning academy. The main Guruji of that place was traveling, which meant that uh, Swami Satyanand used to go there as almost as a sort of a caretaker watchman. He would go there, he'd stay awake. By about 3 o'clock every night, he would go to sleep. He'd wake up at 6 in the morning and go back to his ashram. Now, the children would wake up at 4 o'clock, they would sort of go to the toilet, freshen up, take a bath, and then they would start their recitation of mantras. This is really interesting because a few days later, a few months later, they were, the children were invited to Swami Shivananda's ashram. And uh, as they were chanting the mantras, Swami Satyanand at that point, perhaps was in his early 20s, he felt that he knew these mantras, although he had never heard them before, at least consciously. He felt that he knew all of this. So he approached the teacher of the school, the Guruji, and the teacher said that, yes, you've been listening to this every morning while you're asleep. This was like a silver bullet moment for Swami Satyanand. He had always, as he says, known that all our knowledge comes to us through our senses, through our intellect. But for the first time, he was exposed to knowledge that was coming not through the senses, but through a state that was not even conscious. This intrigued him. He started studying this at great depth. He started to see the scriptures. And he found the tantric practices like Nyasa Kriya. Nyasa is done where you... Uh, sort of ordain different parts of your body with a mantra, in that way relaxing it and also sort of bringing in the divine into each and every part of the body. 
he started to bring that into the usage of yoga nidra so he's the person who made yoga nidra mainstream yoga practice otherwise it was from the tantra tradition he removed the the usage of the mantras so that it could be accessible to people from across the world and today we know that practice as the rotation of consciousness through the different body parts relaxing the body parts in yoga nidra so the small experience of swami satyanand set the stage for one of the most significant and one of the most common yoga practices globally everybody knows yoga nidra just as we know uh, surya namaskar or padmasana or anulom vilom pranayam yoga nidra is so ubiquitous thanks to this fabulous experience of satyanand saraswati he goes on to say how he trained he started to experiment on himself and on people who came to the ashram and he trained people in languages by making them listen to these uh languages and chants and so on whilst they were asleep and then once more when they woke up so that the bridge was made between conscious and subconscious mind in this way he could learn many languages and he could train people and this set the stage for him to explore that the sleeping state is not an inert state perhaps it's a more potential state than being awake because in the awake state you're constantly distracted as well as the conscious mind is not very receptive the subconscious on the other hand is extremely receptive and hence learning can happen so satyanand saraswati's slight discovery understanding mantras that were heard whilst he was sleeping set the stage for modern yoga nidra there is another experiment that i'd like to share and this is by the venerable swami rama for those who have read the book uh, walking with the himalayan master swami rama is one of the most amazing indian yogis uh, and one of the first few to be in a laboratory where he was tested now i'll just break this down for you so that we get context and in the coming sort of discussion we'll speak about all of these things in greater detail the first thing that we need to understand before we can talk about yoga nidra is what are the different states of consciousness that we have now we know conscious subconscious unconscious these can be measured by an electroencephalogram and it's measured as cycles per second cps when you're from 13 to 20 sometimes 24 but generally 13 to 20 cps we call those as the beta waves these are fast beta waves and this signifies the conscious mind so whenever you're awake it is the beta waves that are predominant in us in the subconscious mind we have the slow theta waves now generally this is the dream state where the theta waves are most prominent below the subconscious you have the unconscious mind where the waves are measured as 0 to 4 cycles per second and they are delta waves these are very slow rhythm waves we say that this is the pace or rather this is the vibration of the material universe so you've got the conscious unconscious subconscious 
conscious. What is very interesting is we have a band from 8 to 12 cycles per second, which we call as the hypnagogic state in modern psychology or the yoga nidra state. And here, these are slightly slower waves than the beta, more relaxed kind of a thinking. And this is the borderline state between sleep and wakefulness of the alpha waves. I'm sure you've heard of alpha state meditation and so on. It's essentially this state that is the most productive for meditation. Generally, a person, while you're trying to sleep, you will never really remember the last thought that you had. You may be tossing and turning, thinking about something, but the average adult is set to move from the awake state to the dream state in four seconds. Rather, the last four seconds is the hazy time when you don't know what you were thinking. That's when you're in the hypnagogic or the alpha state. Yoga Nidra is the science and art of extending that four seconds into a 10, 15, 20 minute period because you can be creative and also you can sow the seeds of change in that state. So let's look at Swami Rama's experiment. So to put this in context, this was done in the Menninger Foundation, Kansas in 1977. At this point of time, modern psychology accepted conscious mind, subconscious mind, unconscious mind. But we were thought of as being victims of the sub and unconscious without really much mastery over this, which means if I ask you to start snoring right away, yeah, like really just doze off and start snoring, you may not be able to do it because we don't have the mastery to move from the awake conscious to the subconscious dream or the unconscious deep sleep. Are we there? Yeah, I just want you to sort of figure this because this is very significant that I am unable to move from my conscious to my unconscious at will. I may be really tired and fall asleep, but I cannot do it at my own free will. This was how modern mind was perceived. Now, Forever and ever, yogis and so on have been saying that we have a fourth state called Turaya state, a superconscious state. And they've been speaking about being able to sort of move through these. For the first time in 1977, Swami Rama demonstrated mastery in a laboratory. What does this mean? The experiment was set forth. He had electroencephalograms on his head. And the idea was that he would spend five minutes in the conscious mind, five in the subconscious, and five in the unconscious. Please note, this has never been done before that. If you and me try and do this, we may not be able to, mostly we are unable to be five minutes conscious, five minutes into the dream, and ten minutes from now start snoring deeply. So this, the experiment took place. The first five minutes, his brain showed a lot of slow, slower than beta alpha state vibration. Later on, he said he was visualizing a clear blue sky and thus was able to maintain the alpha state for five minutes. The next five minutes, as the experiment demanded, he went into the subconscious. Now, it 
it, it is not a subjective experience because it's being seen on the electroencephalogram. He has brought it down to four to seven cycles per second at will. Later on, he explained that at, in this state, he was filled with slightly sort of uh, old samskaras or impressions that were completely absorbing his consciousness. And these were sort of dreams, desires, and so on and so forth. It was a disturbed state uh, that he speaks about. That's our dream state. Of course, we never know it when we are dreaming. But here's a man who has the mastery to be able to watch himself dream. Wow. The last five minutes, he went into the unconscious state, which was seen on the electroencephalogram as zero to four, or delta waves, and he was snoring. Now, what is really significant is that this man's been able to do this at will. That's called mastery. That's real kind of mastery. Every other mastery is not really a mastery of the mental process. Now, the really amazing thing was that he was able to tell the scientists what questions they were asking him while his body lay snoring. This is very significant. For the first time in a laboratory, mastery is being depicted. And for the first time, the fourth, we now call it the superconscious state, is being seen, or the Turaya state in traditional science. Now, this was very path-breaking. Now, we have added a fourth called the superconscious state to our understandings in psychology. As Carl Jung would speak about the collective unconscious, where we're going into a space where all of us have certain archetypes. Now, Swami Rama was able to sort of show that it is possible there is a part of us that is always aware and awake. You know this, you put an alarm for 5 a.m., you get up at 4.59. There's some part of you that is always awake. That is called the superconscious, as shown in this experiment. Namaste. This is Manish Pol, and welcome to the 21st Century Yogi Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to listen to what happens in Yoga Nidra. I'm sure you've all tried Yoga Nidra, and you've benefited from it. But today we're going to understand why and how it works. Yoga Nidra is a borderline state between sleep and wakefulness. It's a state of tremendous potential because you're able to access and connect or make contact with your subconscious, unconscious realms spontaneously. This has huge implications not just for relaxation, but also in the effort to educate the whole mind. I've broken this down into five big benefits that come from Yoga Nidra. Let's study these five one at a time. The first major benefit is relaxation. Now, one of the biggest concerns in modern times is an overstimulation of the senses uh, with auditory, with visual, with so much information coming to us that it becomes important for us to be able to cut out and relax from the external awareness. Most people feel that reading a book, watching a movie or going on a holiday qualifies as relaxation, but that does not qualify for a scientific explanation of relaxation. Those are sensory diversions. Even sleep often 
doesn't completely relax and people wake up feeling tired and so on. Yoga Nidra is unique because this is sleep that happens once you have resolved the burdens or tensions. There are three kinds of tensions. The first one is muscular. Now these are pains and so on and so forth that happen at the muscular, nervous and also the endocrine system. Then you have mental tensions. These come from the fact that we are constantly being led by the different desires that we may have which may be unfulfilled and so on. And we also have emotional tensions which are sort of deep-rooted as well. It is very important that we are able to tackle all these muscular, mental and emotional so that a deep sense of relaxation comes upon us. Yoganidra accomplishes this extremely well and please don't underestimate the value of relaxation as we will see in the next few points. The next one being the next benefit, the second benefit of Yoganidra is a transformation. Now, this is closely related to relaxation. A lot of the times we hear people give sermons or advice and yet the transformation doesn't happen because intellectually I may agree with what you're saying and I know that it's better for me to make that change but it doesn't really happen. This is because when a person is tense, their behavior is not natural. When a person is deeply relaxed, they become more natural to themselves. Transformation happens not at the intellectual level, but as a deep-rooted change and a desire to change that has seeped into every realm of consciousness. Let's put this in perspective. Almost every year, people around the world take a New Year resolution. It's one of the biggest pop culture phenomenons, phenomena. And we find that by Jan 2nd, 3rd, most people have sort of given up on that. And this is because it's being done only through the conscious mind. The conscious mind is not a fertile ground and in fact it's always distracted and it's analytical by nature, which means that you will accept only those suggestions that correlate with your past experience. On the other hand, the subconscious mind and unconscious, these are fertile grounds to be able to plant a seed to aspire to or rather to accomplish what you aspire to. Just in case you aspire to a certain thing and you're clear on that, it's important for you to then be able to plant that seed in the unconscious or rather subconscious realms. To bring that point to conclusion, true transformation happens when a sankalpa, a resolve or resolution is taken upon and not just as an intellectual conscious mind function, but if it were to be put into the subconscious, unconscious, we find that the force of will allows you to make this change. Now, this is a very interesting corollary that I came across when I was reading David Eagleman's Incognito. He's speaking about neuroscience. And he says that most of the things we find happen to us under the hood, rather, under the conscious level. 
Now, almost we know this that our breathing and everything that keeps us alive, our digestion and so on, are happening without our conscious voluntary involvement. But he goes on to say that almost everything is happening like that. And he gives a very interesting example. He says that there is no such thing as free will. Now, just understand this. In case somebody has asked you, to have a piece of cake, has offered you a piece of cake, if the last 500 times you have said yes, that means a certain neuronal pathway has been created in the brain, you will again say yes this time. There is no such thing as a choice. Yeah? As, as sort of dystopian as that may sound, there's no such thing as a choice and you just do what the neuronal pathways in the brain are already attuned to. Which begs the question then, what is Manisha's role in Manisha's own life? If everything is just neuronal pathways anyway. That's where it's very important to take a long-term resolution. Suppose I take a resolution to be healthy. Then, if you offer me a piece of cake, I may say no. Based on my long-term vision for myself. Are we getting the point? It's very important to have a long-term vision in other words, a sankalpa for yourself. Else, you do today what you did yesterday and tomorrow what you do today. As we often say, man is a creature of habit. That's the power of sankalpa. And in the yoga nidra state, we are able to, uh, by our own volition, plant the seed into the depths of our consciousness. So there we are. We have two benefits of uh, yoga nidra, one is relaxation and one is transformation. The third one is even more fascinating in a way and it is about learning and memory. Now, we all have learned predominantly through the intellect, which means we go into a classroom, we are conscious, the teacher is teaching us something, we are trying to absorb that, it all goes through the conscious mind. However, the conscious mind is perhaps the worst or least fertile ground as we discussed in the previous topic. It is not only completely distracted most of the time, it is also very analytical which means that only those ideas that resonate with our past experience, what is already in our experience, we accept, we reject the others. How often have you been listening to somebody talk, share a political or religious or any viewpoint that doesn't match you and you don't even listen anymore, you're already thinking of a counter-argument to present. That's how the conscious mind works. Now, when you want to learn a new language or say you want to learn a few uh, mantras or music or anything that requires memory, it's much better to do it Yeah, with your ears clearly open. It's much better to do it while you're sleeping. Yeah? Just take some time to wrap your head around this. When you're sleeping, if you were to play uh, audio of language, uh, to learn a language, in that state, even while you're sleeping, there is a part of you that is awake, that is absorbing all of that, and it will sort of go straight into the subconscious mind. Once you wake up, if you were to listen to that audio again, either for the language or for the things you want to memorize. It could be mantra, it could be music. 
When you hear it in the conscious state, the bridge is made between conscious and subconscious and the learning is complete. In this way, some agencies, some schools have been able to teach people languages in one-fifth the time. I'm making this point again. Yoga Nidra, the state of Yoga Nidra, allows us to absorb knowledge, to learn much more efficiently than the conscious mind. Try this the next time and you can see for yourself. Uh, if you have to learn something that requires memory, maybe it could be the Yoga Sutras, it could be anything that you want, play it whilst you're asleep and once when you're awake, helps to learn much faster. So there you have it, that's three, that's relaxation, transformation and learning and memory. The fourth benefit of Yoga Nidra is creativity. The state of Yoga Nidra is between sleep and wakefulness. Now in our common parlance, we never, I mean rather, we always say, an idea flashed upon me. Yeah? You might have to put in a lot of hard work to understand a subject, but in a state of relaxation, just like Archimedes dabbling with the idea of volume and the measurement of volume, in a state of relaxation in his bathtub, suddenly it flashes that the water displaced is equivalent to his volume. Like that, we get scientific, creative and spiritual insight and intuition in this relaxed state. We will get into the technicalities in terms of the measurements of these states. But currently we are using the word Yoga Nidra. It's also called hypnagogic in psychology, but the Yoga Nidra state. This is the fount of creativity. And you get any number of great people, Kekule giving the circular structure of the benzene, the molecular atom, uh, the molecular structure. As he was lying down in a horse carriage, almost sleeping, he visualized this. Now, Newton sitting in a garden and apple falling. None of these ideas come in the lab. They come in a relaxed state, having put in the hard work. So you've put in all the hard work, conscious mind has studied the subject, but the unconscious provides the solution, or rather the subconscious provides the solution when you're in this relaxed state. Uh, this is true of all scientific, this is true of all artistic uh, discoveries, whether it's uh, Michelangelo seeing the cloud formation and deciding to paint the creation of man, uh, whether it's Einstein visualizing himself on a ray of light traveling through the cosmos, also whether it's the Buddha having eaten and then sat in meditation and having done so much effort realizing that nothing's happening and then in this relaxed state, spiritual insight happens to him. So there you have it. That's the fourth benefit of Yoga Nidra, creativity. Your creative genius gets unleashed. The last one is really interesting. So we've looked at relaxation, transformation, learning and memory, and creativity. The fifth benefit is fascinating because it allows you to then get to know or discover your true self. Currently, we are operating man is weak because we feel that uh, we only have intellect and senses. So we are trying to make sense of our entire life experience just through our intellect and our senses. 
with absolutely no access or limited, very limited access to our subconscious and unconscious realms. Our subconscious and unconscious are the most powerful force that a human being has and yet we don't have access to it and hence we go on living a very peripheral existence. All our successes and so on are at the periphery uh, as pop psychology tells us that the conscious mind is about 10% of who we are. The reason we behave in certain ways, our drives and everything are deep-rooted in the sub and unconscious. Unless we are able to make contact and know that, there is no way that we can be an integrated personality. If I'm not deeply grounded and rooted, my ability to make connections with other people, to do meaningful work in my life, to accomplish or find my own purpose is fairly, fairly limited. I may be successful every now and then, but it's more or less left to chance. This is very important. Our modern education has trained our intellect so much. But intuition, knowledge of who am I, a deep integration of all the realms, as we will see an experiment done by Swami Rama later on in one of our talks, as to how a person can gain mastery over the different levels of consciousness. When, as yoga says, when you have reached the superconscious state and you're always awake. Now you know this because often you put an alarm for say 5 in the morning and you wake up at 4.59. There is a part of you that is always awake. We call it the Turaya state or superconscious. So when you have moved beyond conscious, unconscious, subconscious into the, woken up into the superconscious, sleep, dream, wakefulness pass without any change. Currently, I'm awake for 18 hours in a day. I don't know who am I in those six, seven hours that I'm asleep and I wake up the next morning to recontinue my story. There is no integration between my awake state and my sleep and dream state. So much so that, modern, that man is always dreaming. Even though I'm in my conscious state, my mind is always in a dream. Just because the senses are showing me, I can see, I can smell, I can hear, I feel I'm awake, but actually, if I were to look at it, my mind's dreaming. When you wake out of that dream in the superconscious state, all these states, nidra, dream and wakefulness, pass through without you sort of uh, losing track of who you are. This is significant, it's very significant, because this is the goal of yoga, this is the goal, you can call this enlightenment, nirvana, whatever you want to call it. But you've reached a space in you where you've become a witness and wakefulness, dream and sleep just pass through. So there you have it. The five major benefits of Yoga Nidra. The first is total relaxation. Second is transformation through Sankalp because the subconscious is obedient. The third is learning and memory. The fourth is creativity. And the fifth is a discovery of your true self. Namaste. This is Manish Pol. 
and you're listening to the 21st Century Yogi podcast. This is an episode dedicated to one of my favorite practices and one of the most beautiful meditations and ubiquitous meditations globally, Yoga Nidra. We studied a little bit about what is Yoga Nidra and what are the five major benefits, relaxation, transformation, learning, creativity, and discovery of true self. We also saw how Swami Satyanand Saraswati, who codified modern Yoga Nidra, chanced upon this and developed it through years of hard work. And we also saw Swami Rama's path-breaking experiment where he showed the presence of the Turaya or superconscious state. We're going to study a little bit more about the practice itself. Swami Satyananda designated a few certain practices. We can largely break this down into eight stages. The first stage is internalization, where you bring your focus to the body, to the listening, and eventually to the body. The second stage is very interesting. It's Sankalpa. Sankalpa, as we discussed, is a deep resolve to bring together heart and mind so that you're philosophically and psychologically pursuing a certain goal. Now, often we take on a desire for change, but we dissipate ourselves and we never really accomplish because it's a conscious mind choice. Whereas here, the sankalp is a deep-rooted thing that goes into the subconscious mind. It's very important to take on a sankalp. You can even begin by just taking a sankalp to be healthy and over a course of time, something more specific. This is the secret for a lot of people accomplishing what they really want to do. The third stage, so we've done internalization and sankalp. The third stage is a rotation of consciousness through the different body parts. Yoga Nidra is unique because it is not like meditation which requires concentration. Here, it's based on relaxation, where the contact with sub and unconscious happens spontaneously. That is why it belongs to the practice of Tantra. In Tantra, the evolution of the mind should be a spontaneous affair, wherein you don't have to fight with certain parts of your being and there's no sort of one part of my mind trying to control another part of my mind. The evolution should be spontaneous. Now, for that, we are saying, we are, we've, it's been adopted by Swami Satyanand from Nyasa Kriya in Tantra, where there's a rotation of consciousness, where you're focused on different body parts. The reason this is done is that in the brain, we have different control centers along the sensory motor, uh, the gyrus, the central fold of the sensory motor cortex, Different parts like my toes, my ankle, my knee have are controlled by different points in the in the brain on that cortex, sensory motor. When I relax my toes, my ankles, my knees, I'm slowly switching off those points in the brain. This is very, very important because it is not a haphazard movement of awareness. It's done in a particularly orderly manner. And that allows me to sequentially relax my mind through my body. 
by relaxing my body, I'm able to relax my mind by switching off those control centers in the brain. Once this has been accomplished, and over a course of time, we'll also I'll end this podcast by giving you a short yoga nidra, a very brief one, where you'll understand what I mean with the rotation of consciousness. So we've done internalization, sankalp, rotation of consciousness. The fourth aspect is really very, very interesting, and it is about experiencing uh, the breath, right? Now, by breathing slowly and deeply, you become much more relaxed and mindful, as we've all known and seen. Mindful breathing is all the rage, and the reason is that it just calms you down to get you more focused. The fifth element of Yoga Nidra is perhaps the most fascinating, wherein you are now becoming aware of opposite sensations of the body. So this could be heat, immediately followed by cold. This could be pain, immediately followed by pleasure. Now let's break this down. It is not merely the remembrance of these experiences, but the reliving of these experiences, so much so that when you relive heat, Ideally, a creative mind is one where the body starts to sweat. When you relive cold, the body should start to shiver. This sort of creativity is best trained over the course of years. But just by bringing your awareness to these opposite pain, pleasure and so on, heaviness, lightness, what happens is that the human mind, the brain, is not used to experiencing these two divergent emotions in such a short span. Different parts, different hemispheres of the brain, different parts in the hemispheres are active for these experiences. Pain and pleasure, for example. When you experience a relive pain and immediately relive pleasure, what happens is that new neuronal circuitries start to form. So you're able to witness the pain or rather experience the pain while maintaining a witnessing awareness, similarly for pleasure. Now, spiritual practice is not meant to make you merely pleasurable, joyful. It's the word that we use in the Indian context is anandam. Anandam is not really bliss. It is a homogeneous consciousness which is beyond all dualities. And this gives the mental structure, gives the brain a significant amount of emotional control and also the ability to use the higher cortex for becoming a witness. A person like that is able to go through life as a witness with a very, very profound amount of emotional stability. So the the opposites, the training of the sensation of the opposites brings about a new neuronal circuitry connecting previously disparate emotions and experiences in a homogeneous manner. It helps to educate all of your mind. So we saw internalization, sankalp, rotation of consciousness, breath awareness, awareness of opposite sensations. The sixth element is visualization. Now, when any experience that we have, whether we have it consciously or not, gets registered by the subconscious, so everything you've experienced 
in this lifetime if you if you sort of want to extend that to previous lifetimes as a school of thought even if you don't sort of you don't have an idea on that and you want to think of it as just this lifetime everything that you have experienced gets registered by the subconscious mind once it gets registered it gets registered in the form of a, we call it a samskara or karma or an archetype these get stored as images now the subconscious mind typically uh, works not with concepts not with words but with images these images are yantras and uh, therefore psychologists and yogis from ancient traditions always studied the science of yantras and mandalas so you can in a deep state of sleep you might visual you might see a certain pattern which we really don't know what is but that conveys a heck of a lot of information that is stored in that pattern now what we do in yoga nidra is we give certain visualizations to the subconscious mind and this could be a white rose it could be a temple could be mountains could be anything that is helping to trigger these experiences now for somebody mountains could be very beautiful somebody may have lost somebody on a mountain and can be a traumatic experience so you're providing these visual cues so that certain memories that are stored get unlocked so a person may have stored the image of a mountain but that actually holds the memory of the loss of the tragedy and so on and so forth or anything for that matter and through these visual cues they get triggered in a relaxed state it's very important to be able to experience all these experiences in a relaxed state so we bring it forth from the we still uh, we bring it forth from the subconscious into the conscious realm a lot of the times we are constantly going through life by just repressing things that we don't want to deal with through these visualizations they come forth so that is the sixth stage of visualization the seventh stage is again the sankalp interestingly now you are in the subconscious mind so the sankalp really takes root the seed is sowed in the depths of your consciousness and the last state is an externalization as we do a yoga nidra to end this podcast let's just go through the different stages there's internalization sankalp there is a uh, rotation of consciousness through body parts breath awareness then there's the sensation of opposite experiences sensations then there is visualization then there is sankalp again and externalization to finish our podcast the 21st century yogi podcast on yoga nidra let us go through a simple yoga nidra technique For the next 10 minutes, lie down on your back. Adjust your clothes to be most comfortable. You may even cover your eyes. And you can also put a blanket over you. Prepare yourself for the practice of yoga nidra. This is a practice in deep relaxation. physical mental emotional relaxation 
be aware of your body. Be aware and relax your body. Be aware of your listening to all the sounds outside the room, inside the room, to this voice. State your sankalp resolve to yourself three times. We are going to relax the body. When I ask you to be aware of a body part, repeat the name of that body part and visualize it. Visualize your right thumb, second finger, third finger, fourth finger, fifth, palm, wrist, elbow, Shoulder, armpit, side, right hip, thigh, knee, calf, ankle, toes, the whole right side, the left thumb, second finger, third finger, fourth, Fifth, palm, wrist, elbow, shoulder, armpit, side, left hip, thigh, kneecap, calf, ankle, toes, the whole left side. The back of the body, the heels, calves, buttocks, upper back, back of the neck, back of the head, front side of the body, the forehead, ears, right eye, left eye, right nostril, left nostril, upper lip, Lower lip, both the lip, jaw, chin, chest, stomach, the whole right hand, right leg, the whole left hand, left leg, the head and torso, the back. Relax your whole body, your whole body, and your whole body. Now, bring your awareness to your breathing. Inhale, stomach rises, chest expands, hold. Exhale, chest, stomach drops, hold. Eleven, breathe in, 
hold, breathe out, hold, 10 breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, 9 breathe in, hold, Breathe out, hold. Eight, breathe in, hold. Breathe out, hold. Continue counting seven to zero. If you lose your count, start again at eleven. Now, bring your awareness to your body, to the sensation of heaviness in the body, so heavy as if you were sinking into the floor. You're made of iron sinking. And the lightness of the body so light as if you could float up in the air. Lightness. And be aware of the heat of the body. So hot as if you were sweating under a blanket in the blazing sun in the desert. And the cold of the body, so cold as if you were lying on a glacier at midnight in winter, shivering. Now, be aware of your eyebrow center. I'm going to ask you to be aware of a few things that you would have seen. Just be aware of them consciously. Be aware of sunrise at the eyebrow center. Visualize in great detail sunrise. Mountains. A green forest, a rushing river, a white rose with a thorn, a temple, an empty beach, 
a friend. Waves of the sea. A fire blazing. A tornado and winds. And a white rose with thorns. And now, be aware of your sankalp. Your sankalp is a deep resolve to make a difference in your life. Whatever it is that you have been wanting to, state it to yourself three times with a deep emphasis and awareness. This is like a seed that you're sowing in the depth of your consciousness. Anything in life may fail you, never your own sankalp. And now, bring your awareness to the most distant sounds you can hear. Beginning to move your fingers, toes, starting to stretch your body. turning to one side. With the eyes closed, coming up to sit. Gently rubbing your palms together, creating warmth and taking it to the eyelids, rubbing them and very slowly beginning to open your eyes. The practice of yoga nidra has come to an end, bringing your hands to the center of your chest. Namaste. This was a 10-minute yoga nidra session just to show you and to get you started as you get better and better. You can take this up to 20, 30, 40 minutes. This was a taster of the state that we've been discussing over the last one hour. The Yoga Nidra state, as expounded by Swami Satyanand Saraswati and demonstrated beautifully by Swami Rama in experiments we've discussed. The main benefits, of course, just to enumerate, a relaxation, there are five, relaxation, transformation, learning, creativity and discovery of your true self. If you have any queries or any insights about Yoga Nidra, please do let me know. You can write to me at director at total-yoga.org Director at total-yoga 
www.manishpol.org. This is Manish Pol on the 21st Century Yogi Podcast signing off. In the next podcast, we'll look at different aspects around yoga and mindfulness, the history, the practice, and the future of these practices. Thank you.